Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Technology Uncorked. My name is Jeff Quattromani, and this show is brought to you by Navman. Now, there has been a number of incidents that I've paid attention to on the road this week, and I actually had somebody come and ask me the other day. They said, I need to buy a new dash cam. I said, what happened? First of all, I'm usually surprised that people have a dash cam. If they don't, I recommend them. Uh, but they said, I need a new one. I said, why? What happened? And they said, I was driving. Somebody nearly ran me off the road. When I checked my dash cam footage, I couldn't even make out the number plate. And it was interesting that it was the first time he actually ever had to pay attention to his dash cam footage. He's always had it for that insurance policy. Nothing actually happened. So he just wanted to go back and see if he could potentially report the person for their poor driving. Uh, but turns out he couldn't actually make out the number plate. And that's why having a good dash cam is important. I've tested a bunch from Navman. Their range is quite extensive. They start from around the $160 mark and work their way upwards. But the big things you're going to notice with the Navman range is that you're going to have full high definition 1080p resolution, which is extremely important to pay attention to those details. That wide angle glass lens, and I, and I emphasize the glass part because it means it won't melt in the sunlight that it's usually sitting on that dash uh, when it's parked, when it's in, parked in direct sunlight, it's important. And obviously wide angle because you would capture that kind of footage uh, before they even approach your lane. So some important things that I passed on to them. And I'm passing on to you. Now, today it's the Apple show. And for those who aren't interested in anything Apple, we'll have some questions. I've got some questions from the SMS boost text line that we'll get through, but essentially it's going to be an Apple show. So for those who aren't interested, you've been forewarned. Here is going to be a, a roundup of everything Apple announced today. And to celebrate the big day that we had, the 3.55 a.m. wake-up call that we had so that I could start watching the Apple event from bed, uh, we are having a glass of the Hardee's HRB Riesling. It's a white wine. Uh, I mentioned the Hardee's wine tasting that I did. Given they sent me such large bottles, they've certainly lasted quite a while. And the Riesling is one that you can open and realistically open uh, for another glass a week later, and it still stands up quite well. This is a really nice reasoning. You know, it's a, it's the 2020. Uh, it's a very young vintage, but it's you know being a reasoning and so fresh and vibrant. I wouldn't let this thing sit for long. Buy the white wines, put them in the fridge, drink them. I think someone once told me that uh, most wines are purchased with uh, sorry opened within an hour or two of purchase, meaning that people don't often hold on to their wines. Uh, most people do go to a Dan Murphy's or wherever, buy the bottle, take it home, and crack it open within two hours of making that purchase, which is an interesting observation, which with this Riesling, you should absolutely do. I think it's a delicious wine. Um, I'm happy to have it by itself, but I also think it would go really well with seafood, obviously. Um, you know, you think about white types of meat or white types of uh, food, usually goes really well with white wines. You know, simple way of thinking about it. Red meats tends to go really well with red wines. Now, Let's get started. I think today we're going to start from the iPhone. I'm not going to let you uh, or force you to wait and chew through the HomePod mini news. Let's get straight into iPhone. So without further ado, we've got four iPhone 12 devices to talk about. Giddy up.
All right, now this has not been the first virtual event or all virtual event, I should say, uh, for Apple. This is becoming a, a regular occasion. And to be honest, I don't mind it. It means that uh, usually most of the people around the world are watching this news break together. And it feels like you're all in this experience together and it's fun. For anyone who was awake and watching it at the same time, you already know what I'm about to say. You already know about the products I'm about to talk about. First of all, uh, Tim Cook took the virtual stage and we started hearing immediately um, about their new products. There wasn't a lot of wishy-wash as they got into the segment. They really did kick off immediately. Now, when we think about the iPhone 12, they've announced essentially four varieties. But we're breaking it up into two flavors. So what I mean by that is you only have the iPhone 12, which comes in a mini and an iPhone 12 normal. And then you've got the iPhone 12 Pro series and you've got the Pro and the Pro Max. So you've essentially got these normal type devices and then you've got the Pro devices. But you've got four different sizes. And this is going to be the biggest thing that people will notice when they're shopping for a new iPhone is that within the iPhone 12 range, you've got four sizes. But let's not also forget the iPhone 11 is actually still on the store. You can actually still buy an iPhone 11. The same thing with the SE and the same thing with the 10R. So the iPhone range has expanded significantly. And I wouldn't say that that was a surprise given that there are so many brands that are starting to diversify their range. You look at Samsung and how many smartphones they offer to consumers. Apple seems to be doing something similar. Now, the before we get into the iPhone 12, the cost of those other devices reduced this morning as well. So the iPhone SE was 749. It's now 630 or something like that. The 10R reduced and the 11 reduced as well. So before we get started on the iPhone 12 bits, if you like the iPhone 11 and you're not that fussed about 5G, you probably should just buy the iPhone 11 because it's now gotten cheaper. And that's got to be something worth considering. Now, what did Apple announce when it came to the iPhone 12? Well, I mentioned a little bit here, but every single one of their four phones, regardless of um, screen size, regardless of storage capacity that you choose, they'll all be 5G. And we had predicted that they were going to be 5G devices. Well, they are. And I love that they actually applied this across the entire range. And that's honestly a credit to Apple for just saying, you know what, everything is 5G. We're not going to have only the Pro devices 5G and the others not. They've just gone across the board. Fantastic news. I'm really happy to see that. But in their first model that was announced, it's a mini. Now, we have not seen the mini name news used on an iPhone before. And here we are talking about a 5.4 inch display in an iPhone. We've seen that size before, but it's been a while. It's been a long while. Phone sizes have only been getting bigger. So it's nice to see something for smaller hands. Now, it's going to cost you $11.99. $11.99 was the entry price of an iPhone 11 yesterday. $11.99 for a 5.4 inch 5G device makes it interesting because at less than $1,000, I can buy the Google Pixel 5, which is a 5G device, for $999. I can buy the Pixel 4a with 5G for $799. So the 5G component has certainly meant that Apple have 
essentially lifted their costs. When you think about the fact that it's a mini, this isn't their uh, iPhone 12 normal. This is their mini and it comes in 1199. Um, that means that we're going to be paying even more for the normal version, which effectively should be replacing the iPhone 11. So an interesting move here, and we'll talk about the iPhone 12 normal in a second. There are three storage options on both of these, 64 gig, 128 gig, and 256. No 512 capacity here, no expandable memory, obviously. Now, the normal version is a 6.1 inch display. Um, you could put this side by side with the iPhone 11, and from the front, they're going to look pretty much identical. They have, uh, across the range, they've made a more square edge style bezel, meaning it looks like an iPhone 5 has gained weight. Um, the iPhone 5 had this exact same design, or the 4S had the same design as well. Um, completely flat edges, something that I think looks quite beautiful. They have this nice sheer around the edges that makes it look like a piece of aluminium. It's, it's nice. It's a nice looking phone. They're having it in a couple of different colors as well. So there's a blue, there's a, like a light green, there's a red. And obviously you still have your whites and your blacks, but a 6.1 inch display on the front and still with dual cameras only on the back. So we didn't see, for example, last year's Pro camera come down to the base model of the iPhone 12. No, what we've seen is essentially the cameras on the back remain much the same with some software upgrades behind the scenes. When you then upgrade to the iPhone 12 Pro series, um, we are talking about the three camera kit at the back, but they've also added an extra sensor called LiDAR. Now, LiDAR is on um, autonomous vehicles. It's on robot vacuums. And essentially, it allows the device to analyze and understand depth. And if a phone or an iPad, which we've seen this sensor on before, can do that, then it opens up huge possibilities for augmented reality and how you can use that in a room where perhaps you take that IKEA app, for example, where you want to place furniture in your room. That LiDAR sensor is going to eventually be integrated into that app and the experience will change dramatically. Um, and that's where that's going to come into, into play. So on the back, you've got those three cameras. One of them is telephoto. That's the one that you don't get on the, on the other iPhone 12 devices. But here we start the Pro Series at a 6.1 inch and goes up to a whopping 6.7 inch, which is the biggest we've ever seen on an iPhone. So kudos to Apple for going small and also going super big and then offering that size in between. The, the Pro, base model Pro 12, will start at 16.99. The good thing here is that they have at least made the base storage for the Pro series at 128 gig. Because those two devices that I mentioned earlier, those two Pixel devices, the 5 and the 4A with 5G, they're both standard with 128 gig, and they're cheaper. So. Base storage is 128, then there's 256, and they do offer a 512 on that as well. So it is nice to see that at least from a specifications point of view, they actually are showing the real bump up on the Pro here. Um, they're offering it in more of a shades here. So you've got one of a gold, uh, like a Pacific blue, they're calling it, and a gray and a black. Um, and that's all nice to see. The other change that we saw across the entire range was what's called MagSafe. Qi wireless charging. Now, wireless charging has been on iPhones for a number of years now, and I have an, a wireless charger on my desk. I have one on my bedside table, and essentially it means that wherever I am, I just place the, the phone, whatever phone I'm using, on top of it, and it works, and it recharges. Make sure you 
place it in the right spot. And I think this is where Apple has come into this MagSafe approach. Because some nights, seriously, I'll make myself to bed. I'll put the phone down on the, on the charger, hope that it's actually charging, wake up in the morning and I haven't recharged overnight. Um, but when you've got MagSafe, essentially what it's going to mean is that there'll be magnets that will essentially align and line up your wireless charging so that it will click on and suck onto it uh, like a proper magnet. It's kind of weird that, you know, for me, wireless charging has always been that beautiful benefit of just placing it on something and magically it's being recharged. When you have a magnet type approach, it almost feels like I'm plugging it in, but it's happening automatically. There's, it's a different kind of connection for me. Obviously, it's still wireless, but when it's being attached by magnets, I feel like we should be calling it magnetic charging. I don't feel like I should call it wireless charging anymore, but maybe I'm just being you know, hypercritical or whatever it is. So that's going to be interesting to see, but it's also going to roll into their accessories. So we've seen um, a wallet or cards holder that will attach using the MagSafe um, magnet on the back as well. So you wouldn't actually need an actual case to then also have the wallet piece. You can actually just get the wallet piece and have it MagSafe onto the back of the phone. So it's not just going to be used for charging. It's also going to be used for accessories as well, which will be interesting to see where that goes. The other thing that um, was, was called out was ceramic shield uh, for the glass on the front. Now, anyone who has ever owned a smartphone and never broken a screen, you're very lucky. Uh, one of the things that happens with phones is that they're slippery. They fall out of pockets. They fall out of hands. Sometimes we're walking in the street. We don't even look up and we bump into somebody. That phone falls on the floor. So a, a glass screen that breaks, it's expensive to fix. and. Apple worked with Corning, who make Gorilla Glass for a number of different smartphones, and they've developed Ceramic Shield, which they're essentially saying is four times stronger than the previous versions that they have been using. So they're saying that in tests, it was four times less likely to break than the previous version. So I think that's amazing news. Now, beyond that, there is some serious downsides. Well, I'm not going to get too deep and dark and say they're serious, but I want to talk about a couple of things that are physically missing. And the first one that we have to call out is the fact that the iPhone, and I'm not talking about just the iPhone 12, when you go to the website, the iPhone SE, iPhone 11, iPhone 10R, and all of the iPhone 12 range no longer includes the charging brick and it no longer includes the headphones. Now, this morning, I did a, I did a segment um, with Studio 10. And instead of just talking about the new iPhone, I talked about alternatives from you know, very, very cheap to moderately expensive. And I'm talking about phones from $80 up to $800. And it was funny that the phone that was $80 had the headphones, it had the charger, because that's what most people expect when they open the box. And now Apple used an environmental message to suggest that that was why they were no longer including the charging brick or the earbuds. They are only including the USB cable. And it was extremely interesting to me because we kind of expected this after they made that announcement for the Apple Watch, um, that it wasn't going to be coming with the, with the charging brick either. Um, but what's even more fascinating to me is that the cable that is provided to you is not compatible with any of your existing Apple chargers. 
So let me just rephrase that. So if you have an iPhone 11, I have an iPhone 11 here, and inside the box is actually the charging brick because I didn't need it, but inside the box is the charging brick. And it's got a USB-A, which is the larger rectangle connection. So if I was to go and buy the iPhone 12 today and come home, I am unable to plug that cable into this charging brick. And it's because the new cable has lightning on one end, which goes into the iPhone. And on the other end, it's USB-C, which is the smaller sort of round-edged rectangle connection. And that's quite puzzling to me because if you had no other alternative, you would either be using your old iPhone charger and not the new cable, or B, you're going to go out and buy a new charging brick. And I thought the intention here was that we didn't have to buy a new charging brick because you believe that we have them already. And I find that quite funny because if you were planning on having people continue to use their old chargers, then maybe the cable should have been compatible with the old charger. Interesting thought. The other part that's fascinating to me as well is that given that the iPhone dropped the three and a half mil headphone socket or headphone jack um, a couple of years ago, when you say you don't include the AirPods in, not AirPods, EarPods in the box anymore, you're now making me go and buy a pair of wired headphones at the cheapest level, but a pair of wired headphones at the cheapest level that plugs into the lightning connection because it doesn't have that three and a half mil. So you will probably have to go and buy a pair of wireless headphones. And obviously Apple would love it to be the AirPods. Now, they are not major things. For somebody who's going out to spend $1,200 on a new phone, asking them to spend an extra hundred bucks is probably not the end of the world. But it does bother me that this year particularly, in a year where there are a lot of people struggling, um, a lot of people may still want to have a new phone or still want to have this joy of receiving a new phone, that there are companies out there who aren't potentially helping out. And I'm surprised that they picked this year to remove things from the box. Um, the way I see it is that removing things from the box save Apple money. By making the box smaller as a result, it helps reduce their shipping costs as well. And then when they charge $29 for the charging brick or an extra $29 if you want the earpods, uh, you can buy them separately. Then again, that's more money back in Apple's pocket. Not that Apple needs a dollar. And to me, that's fascinating because you do that and then, and then the 5.4 inch, the smallest version of the iPhone is the same price as the larger normal iPhone 11 of last year, the same price to me seems insulting. That you're not only taking things away from the box, but you're turning the price up as well. I mean, I know you've put 5G in it, but do you have to put the price up as a result? I find it fascinating, and it's obviously going to be open, into, open to interpretation. I can tell you every radio interview I've done today, um, appearing on TV today, that has become the biggest talking point. 5G is being glossed over. And Tim Cook spent the majority of the press conference talking about 5G. They had someone from Verizon talk about the impact of 5G. And then they had about 30 seconds of this environmental lady standing on a solar-powered roof 
I don't know why she was up there. Standing on top of the solar-powered roof, talking about their care for the environment and why they've removed the charger and the headphones. But that 30 seconds has been the most talked about part of their day. And I don't know if Apple wanted that. After A, delaying the release of the phone, B, taking things out, adding in the 5G, all these different things that's happened. I don't think that they really wanted us to be talking about the fact that they're removing products from their new iPhone rather than the fact that they've built the most powerful, the most impressive iPhone yet. That to me sounds a bit crazy. Anyway, so if you want one, and you know what? I think if you're on an iPhone 8 or if you're on a weathered iPhone 10, pretty damn good upgrade, especially if you want to stick to the Apple ecosystem. I don't recommend you get the SE only because it just it is an iPhone 8 with some updated guts. Um, and if you can stretch for the 5G version, I've always talked about the future value of 5G. If you genuinely do not care about 5G, go and get the iPhone 11. But if you're interested in getting one of these um, power to you, I think there's some amazing things that they talked about with the photography of the device. I think there's some impressive things, obviously, in the performance. If you're going from an iPhone 8, you are well and truly going to notice the improved performance. Now, the one thing I want to mention is availability, because this has been quite interesting to read that everyone gets all excited. People are like, all right, I'm going I'm to order my new phone today. And then they browse 100 websites and realize they can't. November 7th, you can order the iPhone mini and the Max. Okay. So if you want the Pro Max or the mini, November 7th is your pre-order opportunity and they'll ship on the 13th of November. So those ones are further delayed than you might have expected. However, if you want the normal size iPhone 12 and the powerful 12 Pro, pre-order starts on the 16th of October and you'll expect shipping on the 23rd. So the Mini and the Max, you're going to have to wait. The two boys in the middle, they're pretty much ready to go. And I would say Apple stores have them sitting at the back, raring to go. They'll be shipping on the 23rd. So let me know what you think about them. I'm always willing to hear your feedback. Are you jumping on this or is now the point where you start to think about the competitors? Do you get a Galaxy S20? Do you get a Pixel 5? Do you think about some other device? Let me know. Don't forget, SMS me 0467-439-078. Now we will get to one of our boost help desk questions now before we talk about the new HomePod mini. All right, our question here on the Boost mobile number comes from John, and he's asking a pretty cool question and something I want to answer better in a future episode. But his question is, Google Chromecast or Apple TV? Now, the first thing I have is questions for you, John, because I really want to know about what you plan on using them for, what your current environment is, how tech savvy you are. Because the Apple TV is one of those devices currently that has the remote, has a box, you can sort through a menu, and watch pretty much any streaming on-demand service that you like, whether it's catch-up TV, whether it's movies on Netflix or Stan or whatever it is. You can do it all through the Apple TV. There's also amazing integration from the Apple TV to your other Apple devices. But it starts at $209, so it's not exactly cheap. In saying that, and the reason I would love to know more is because the current model Chromecast, you'll pick up for about $79. It's 4K, just like the 
Apple TV is. And it's fantastic and it's simple. It's a small dongle that plugs into your TV, but you need to use your smartphone to throw content to the TV. So you open up Netflix on your phone and then you cast it to the Chromecast on your television. Essentially, with either option, you're making your TV smart. Uh, If you have a TV that you love, but it just doesn't have all the smart features, no problem. Plug in either of these devices and you're away. Obviously, at $79, there's a huge cost saving, but there's no remote. But then there is. The new Chromecast with Google TV will be on sale over the next couple of weeks. I have one. It's sitting right in front of me. It's in like a weird pink color, which is okay because it's going to sit behind the TV anyway. Um, But it now comes with a remote, guys. The new Google Chromecast has a remote. Um, It's going to be $99. So again, half the price of the Apple TV. But it basically means that you're going to have a user interface like an Apple TV with a remote that you can talk to, use the Google Voice Assistant, which means it will work with any other smart speakers that you've got in the home really well. You won't have to use your smartphone to make it all work. You can just turn your TV on and start using your Chromecast. So if you ask me this question in two weeks, especially after I finish reviewing it, I might, I might tell you to just go and get the new Chromecast because I think, honestly, if it ends up being the same in any way, shape or form with the Apple TV, but at half the price, you'll be hard pressed to find me ever recommending an Apple TV again, except for the smartphone mirroring of an iPhone. So if you've got an iPhone and you come back from a holiday, it is pretty handy to just mirror your phone onto the TV and you can flick through your photos and show friends and family. That would be it. Beyond that. If it's all about watching content, we'll be talking about Chromecast a lot more. So tune in for that one, John. We'll definitely get back to your question again with an update to your your question. And obviously, we'll be hearing about it and writing about it in other publications as well. Now, let's get on with the HomePod Mini. Now, in 2018, Apple entered the smart speaker world. They decided to put Siri in a box and Siri in a box with a bunch of speakers uh, was a cylindrical shape and they charged around 600 bucks for it. The speaker was good. The speaker sounded pretty darn good. Mind you, for $600, it should have. Uh, But Siri as a smart speaker, while it's handy to use on your phone to control the functions on your phone, as a home assistant, it actually isn't that great. What you'll find is that the more smart home devices that you have, not every one of them integrates well with Apple's HomeKit. And as a result, Siri doesn't talk to them. The HomePod has basically been a failure. It's now reduced to around the $400 mark, which if you just wanted a speaker to play music from, pretty cool. The other thing that you need to know as part of all of this journey is that the HomePod only supports really Apple Music as a service. It doesn't support Spotify. It doesn't support YouTube Music. It doesn't support Deezer. It doesn't support a number of standards that people might be using outside of the Apple ecosystem. And that's not surprising because Apple wants you to use their services, and I get that. But this morning, Apple announced a HomePod Mini. With a virtual round of applause, the HomePod Mini looks like a small candle. Um, a nice candle that you would buy from a market and put it in your kitchen. It's got a nice little netting around it with some rainbow colors on top. It's like a candle without the candle in the top. It's probably got um, a wishing well or something like that. 
but it looks okay. It's essentially a, a speaker. There is one proper driver which points down, and they're using this fancy keywords to talk about the fact that it's got 360-degree sound. A lot of speakers have 360-degree sound. Um, now the HomePod Mini does as well. They're still saying, though, that in terms of what it supports, it's the same. It still works just like a HomePod does. They have, however, mentioned a very innovative feature called the intercom. And it means that if you have a number of these strapped around the house, that you could either talk to your phone or talk to one of these units and broadcast or make an announcement. Maybe that dinner's ready and it would be broadcast around the house or even just into a particular room where one of the HomePods were sitting. That is not a new feature. And if you have um, an Amazon smart speaker, you can do this already. It's called broadcast. And you can do that from your phone. You can do that from a speaker. And I believe Google has one as well. So we're left with a new smart speaker that hasn't got a screen, um, has a volume control on top. So it's a, just a smart speaker that you can talk to. It's $149. Interesting price point, Apple. $149. Huh. What have I been talking about? $149. Oh, that's right. Last week, I talked about the Nest Audio from Google. That's $149. Oh, that's the Google Voice Assistant, the one that works with everything. Oh, that's the one that I can use my Spotify playlist on. Oh, that's the one that I can use literally anything on. I can Chromecast audio, anything. I can, from my Windows laptop, I can open up the Chrome browser and any audio coming from that, I can throw to that speaker to hear it better. You can't do that on a HomePod. You can't do any of those things on a HomePod. Not this one, not the more expensive one. At $149, the problem that's going to happen here is that everyone will go and get one. The fact is, is that at $149, it makes it one of the most appealing Apple products just because it's cheaper. Just by the fact, the sheer fact that it's a smart speaker at $149, but it's an Apple one, makes it suddenly appealing. And I won't be surprised that more people buy this or rush out to buy this than they do even for a new iPhone. It fascinates me, and obviously it chimes into the way that people think. But I think this is going to be an interesting one. It's going to be available on November 16th, pre-order November 7th. I won't be surprised if this one sells out. Um, I will probably have to go and buy one if I want to test one. And the reality is, is at $149, I do need to put it next to a Nest Audio. And I hope that more people do that because it does deserve to be competing with products of the same price. Uh, I will be also doing the same with Amazon speakers as well to really do a head-to-head -head on all three. Um, I'm fascinated by it. I know there'll be a lot of people out there who will just be going gaga over this thing. Um, but buyer beware, because think about what you're talking to Siri about today and think about how well it answers those questions. If you're happy with it, that's what you're going to get. Does this thing sound good? That's what we need to find out. So that's why we'll put it up against the Nest Audio and something from Amazon. I know that Amazon has recently announced some round speakers look a lot like this one um, as well. And we'll be doing some research to compare the two. Beyond that, that's the HomePod Mini. Now, upon reflection, we've effectively announced or been talking about uh, four new iPhones in different storage sizes and a smart speaker. Does anyone else feel like there should have been more than that? Does anyone else feel like actually the iPad event actually wasn't so bad now? I remember being quite disappointed when the iPad event was over and I'm like, oh, we've got to watch. We've got a new iPad and they announced Fitness Plus. 
and Zeddy, but it turns out it's kind of cool. Um, I'm surprised they didn't talk about Fitness Plus again, um, or at least talk about how it's going to be integrating with the HomePod or how it integrates with the um, new iPhone. I'm surprised they didn't do any, anything like that. I'm surprised there was literally no other Apple service spoken about. They literally spoke about all the Apple services in the last event. Were there was predictions around them replacing the Tile um, with their own version. Uh, that didn't happen. Um, there's been rumors of actual Apple-branded headphones, which look like Beats but have the Apple logo on them. That didn't happen. In fact, what did happen, which was quite funny, after they announced a phone that doesn't come with headphones, Beats decided to conveniently announce a pair of headphones. Who would have thought? It's like two marketing teams are talking to each other. Um, and here is a pair from Beats that you can now go ahead and buy. So that's happened. But I just, I don't know. I'm always, again, interested in your feedback. What do you think? Do you think that this was enough? Are you rushing out the door? Are you happy? Are you excited? Let me know. I understand that this has been an Apple show. I understand that. We are going to wrap up, though, with one more listener question on the Boost mobile help desk. And before we get into that question, let me repeat the number. For anybody who missed it last show, it's 0467-439-078. Send a text to me at any time. Please put your name in the text as well, and we'll make an effort to answer it on this week's show. Uh, I plan to do two um, answers per week. Um, that's my goal. So if we don't get to your question, I apologize. I'll actually probably let you know, and we'll talk about it in the show the week after. But the question I got is from Daniel. Daniel says, ring doorbell or cameras? Now, assuming that he's talking about monitoring his front door and when people do show up, in my situation, it's couriers. Now, I mentioned that Studio 10 segment, for example. I needed 10 phones, and that means 10 deliveries. So in one day, I had 10 deliveries coming. Literally the day before I'm going to air, boom, 10 phones were showing up individually. Um, sometimes I'm in a meeting. Sometimes I'm not home. That's the way the cookie crumbles. If you're not home for a courier delivery, what a nightmare. There's a slip where you have to call somebody. They have to make another delivery or you go pick it up from the post office. It sucks. So that's why these products are so good. The Ring Doorbell is an amazing product. It is an amazing product. Um, the older versions used to only trigger based on pushing the button. So if they didn't ring the doorbell and Fakuri just rocked up and banged on your door or bunged on your door, um, the Ring Doorbell would just sit there and be like, you didn't touch me and you won't get notified. The newer, the newer models of the Ring Doorbell actually wake up on motion or you can set them to wake up on motion. So that way when they come, whether they ring the doorbell or not, you'd be like, hey, I'm just in the bath. Can you leave that? at the door or I'm in a meeting or whatever it is, and that will happen. Um, but lately, I've been relying more on a camera because I have an Arlo system here, and you can buy just the Arlo Essential, which is a very simple camera. It's got a light built in, but offers all the features without the base station or anything like that from Arlo. You can just, just go and buy this camera, stick it to your eaves or wherever it is, and it will monitor the front door. So then when, when motion is detected, you'll get an alert. You can quickly open it up and talk to them. It's two-way audio. It works pretty darn well. The recordings are also very good if you need them. Um, and the night vision is pretty damn good too. The thing that I like about the having a camera instead of a ring or a, or a smart doorbell is the positioning. And sometimes a ring doorbell is positioned poorly to actually capture what you're looking to capture. Um, people do get intimidated when they see ring doorbells. I've noticed that as well. 
um, and a camera can be held up high. It's out of reach of the person who's coming to the door and the alert comes through obviously still very quickly. They can be heard very well. You can hear them. Um, it saved me a bunch of times and you're looking at a couple of hundred bucks for a camera. Battery can last up to three months, depends how much action you have at the front door. And it's a simple solution. I, I thoroughly recommend it. If you're listening to this podcast right now, uh, Amazon's obviously doing uh, Prime Prime Day at the moment, and the Ring doorbell has been discounted by about 30%. Um, so do shop around. If you're interested in buying one or even the Arlo, make sure you still shop around. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you, John, for your message as well. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, that is going to be the show. Um, I'm tired because I woke up super early. There's been a number of radio spots, obviously doing Studio 10 was a lot of fun today. Um, and just on that, um, I had somebody ask me about it, about me being on Studio 10. And I'll tell you what happened. I'll give you a bit of, bit of um, background as to how things work sometimes. So as you all know, Apple don't particularly talk to me. We don't have a huge relationship for whatever reason. And when I approached or thought about doing a segment with Studio 10, um, it would have been great to have had an iPhone 12. It would have been great to have taken one on, on set. Um, but I knew that if I approached Studio 10 to just talk about the iPhone 12, that it would be seen as advertorial. And it's something that Studio 10 doesn't want to do is have people talk about one product. Because if you're going to go up there and talk about just one thing, it can come across like an ad. So I knew that they weren't going to be interested in just talking about the iPhone 12. But I did know that if I came to them with alternatives to the iPhone, that they would be interested. And that's what I did is I went to them and I said, here is going, Apple's going to announce something. We know it's going to be good. We know it's probably going to be more than $1,000, um, maybe even up to $2,500. That's the norm. How about we talk about some phones that people can actually afford and spread it across the entire spectrum. So for kids, for seniors, for teenagers, let's do them all from 80 bucks to 800 bucks. You know, I had like the Nokia 3310 on there from the cheaper end of scale. Um, and it was a stack of fun. And I got a resounding yes. The fun part is that you then go back to Apple and say, hey, just letting you know, we're doing this segment on Wednesday. We will talk about the iPhone 12. It would be great if I could have it there. I did get a response and they said that they would share all the press materials with me on the day. No device. Um, but that gives you a bit of background. And look, I know that there are a number of people who do similar work to what I do. And that's not how they would operate. They usually have some nice agreements with companies where not a you scratch my back, I scratch your back kind of thing, but um, effectively they're not going to mention other brands when they talk about one other. So you wouldn't go on to um, a morning show to talk about the new iPhone and directly compare it with the new Samsung because that might upset Apple. Whereas in my perspective, I'm not here to please a brand. I'm here to please the viewer. And this is something that I don't think a lot of people understand is that um, I don't have money in the game. You know, the way I look at this is I'm, I'm passionate about technology. I love technology and I love to help people. And um, I, I mean, I don't, I don't get paid to go on Studio 10, for example. But for me, when I get to go on there and I'm speaking to whatever national audience size they have, I hope that one person watches that show or that segment and has a better idea on what phone suits them for their next investment. Because every dollar you earn required work. 
So every dollar you spend should be smart. And if somebody's going up on these shows and saying, here is the latest iPhone, it's this, it's this, it's this, but not actually telling you whether it's a good purchase decision or, it, or letting you know about the things that aren't so good about it, that's a problem because it really does. It's not misleading, but it's not telling the full story. And I don't want to be here to get an email from every brand and say, hey, thanks for talking about me on that segment. I'm here to get feedback from listeners and audiences about my segments that say, thank you so much. I now know which phone I'm going to buy. Thank you for your insight today. Um, I learned something. And I can tell you that from that segment today, I did. Um, I received a, a ton of feedback. I got some through social media. I received an email because I have a website and people tend to find me. Um, and I received some, some really cool messages from people saying, thank you for thinking about us simple people. Um, you know, we are talking about, in some cases, phones that started at 80 bucks, $300, $150. Um, so that's, that's, that's all I'm going to say. And I know it ruffles a few people the wrong way. I know I've received some uh, communications from some of those people that convey their um, frustration in what I do, but that I'm, not there for, I'm not here for anybody else except you guys. And um, that's it. I don't, I don't care. Brands will still find ways to to work with me. Um, I, I I think I'm fair, but I don't think that I work for brands. That's it. I just don't think that I do. I think I work for for you guys. So that's a long story. It's been a long podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening. Don't forget, you can send me texts on zero four six seven. Uh, four three nine zero seven eight. A huge thank you to to Boost and to Navman, uh, two companies that that do back everything that we do on this show, and it's much appreciated. Stay safe. Happy shopping out there. If you have any questions about any smartphone, iPhone 12 or not, uh, feel free to get in touch at any time. Thanks, guys. Speak soon. Bye bye.